630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Let's have another score here. I want to pass along, and it just shows the discrepancy between the United States and the rest of the world in certain sports. So, Matthew, as you know, the Canadian women's basketball team calls Edmonton home, right? Train over at the Savile Centre. Yes, of course. What was it, uh, just two or three weeks ago? I guess about three weeks ago, they played uh, China in that three-game series, the Edmonton Grads International Classic. What, Canada ranked ninth in the world, China eight. Canada won all three games. They're going to play each other in their first game at the Olympics. Olympics start, what, one week from today already? It's coming up. It's coming up. The, uh, The Rio Games. What's the slogan we came up with for the Rio Games? The Rio Olympics, less sewage than expected. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they hope for. Hey, there's not, there's not as much sewage in the water for the, as you thought for the boats and the athletes, eh? Anyway, so the Canadian women's basketball team, top 10 team in the world, uh, playing the United States today in an exhibition game. The United States won 83-43. One by 40 points. And Canada's not a bad team. This isn't number one in the world against number 50. It's number one against number nine. Canada lost by 40 points. That's tough. Your scoreboard, courtesy of Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, please visit crystalglass.ca. You can text 630-630. This texture says, read, no coverage in the back end means no confidence in the front end. The D-line and the linebackers are always looking over their shoulders and not doing their jobs because uh, they're looking to see what they can do to help in the backfield, which is not in a good position. That's a text to 630-630. I do think the Eskimos' problems on defense uh, are mainly with the secondary, not as much with the front seven. The Big L, always love when the Big L text says, Reed, do you think the Eskimos need an offensively talented right-shooting defenseman? Uh, and he says, have a good long weekend. Big Al, good long weekend to you as well. Thanks for texting and tuning in tonight. 83-43. Canada lost to the United States. I don't know, Matthew. I mean, here, here's the thing about some of these tournaments. Everybody, Some tournaments with the United especially with basketball for the United States, everybody's playing for second, right? Everybody's playing for second place. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I mean, it's it's tough to beat the USA, especially in women's basketball. They got everybody in the WNBA, and it's it's a big it's a bigger sport in in the in the states than it is in Canada in a professional level. Uh, Sam G texting in. Who is number two through seven? Well, I have looked up the FIBA women's rankings. U.S. one, Australia two, Spain three, France four, Czech Republic fifth. Russia, Brazil, China, 6, 7, 8, Canada, 9, Belarus, 10. So there you have it. That is number one over number nine by uh, by 40 points. I, how good is Australia? I don't know. Could they beat the United States? I'm not sure. 
but obviously going to be pretty tough for Canada to beat the United States. 22-0, the Alouettes lead the Rough Riders. The third quarter just started in Montreal, an extended halftime because they had the ceremony for, uh, for Ben Cahoon. Matthew, you've been to uh, you've been to Taste of Edmonton, by the way. Not this year, no. I know. Did you go? I, I think I've been seven times. Like it's a it's a ritual for me to go often. Yes. Couple of reasons. I well, several reasons. I like going. Uh, my mom and dad like like going, so it's a little outing for my parents, who generally don't leave the house except to go to Costco unless I get them to do something. And, and now here's this is you'll find this interesting. I uh, have an aunt, my dad's sister, who lives in uh, Mississauga. That's a it's like a little place in Ontario or something. And she visited a uh, she visited a few years ago during Taste of Edmonton. So we took her to Taste of Edmonton. She loves it. So now she specifically comes and visits us. While Taste of Edmonton is on. This is another Canadian who has planned her holiday around an Edmonton food festival. Nice. That's pretty sweet. Did you know this year, Reed, that... uh, Go ahead. Hang on. So, now here's the thing. I didn't know this. Uh, Mississauga, a large city, like 800,000 people, does not have any restaurants. That's why my aunt has to come here to eat out. There's not a single restaurant in all of Mississauga. Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. 800,000 people is not a single restaurant. It's not a McDonald's. It's not a Tim's. There's not a Greek place. There's, there's, no, there's like no pizza place. It's not a single restaurant in Mississauga. How would they go without restaurants? Only, I, I don't know. That's why she has to come to Taste of Edmonton. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's something else, man. That, you got me stumped on that one. Well, maybe. I'm just making that assumption. But my aunt travels to Edmonton to go to Taste of Edmonton. She doesn't even care about visiting us anymore. She just wants to go to Taste of Edmonton. She just set her up a tent in Churchill Square, and uh, she could just eat there all day. She, Mississauga. Uh... Here's the thing. Uh, Mississauga. Uh, not only are there uh, no restaurants, not a single entertainment venue in all of Mississauga. <laughs> no movie theaters, no uh, playhouses. Busking is illegal. Mississauga, the most boring city in Canada. I That's bet. actually their slogan. I'm not insulting them. That's actually their slogan. I bet they don't even have a golf course there. No, it's a, it's uh, it's against the civic law to golf in Mississauga. Well, you won't be catching me in that city. I'll tell you that. That's that's why Mississauga is connected to Toronto, very large city. You never hear about Mississauga. You know why? <laughs> it's too boring. Yes, they live next door to the center of the universe as well. <laughs> the center of the universe, folks, is in Toronto. In case you're ever wondering that. Uh, all right. I, I got a humorous text about uh, Brazil. I'm not going to read it on air, but I did acknowledge that I got it. Uh, I also got another text message that says, uh, you are full of caca. Speaking of Brazil, didn't they have a soccer player named caca? Yeah, I think they, yeah, I think they, they did. did. <laughs> are you going down to the Taste of Remington this year, by the way? Yeah, I guess. I said I've already been. Oh, you, oh sorry. I, I didn't hear that part. But I was going to say, did you go to the Rogers Place booth? Rogers Place has a booth down there. Uh, where? I, I, I haven't even noticed it. Where is it? It's down at Taste of Edmonton. Are you but sure? I'm, 
Listen, if Jessica Kent from Ice Level, which, by the way, you go to rogersplace.com, they have a feature every week, every Thursday on the, on the arena, said that they were going to have a booth down there. I don't, so I, I trust Jessica Kent on that. I haven't seen it. I don't it think you can there. trust Jessica Kent. I trust her. I don't her. think you can trust Jessica Kent. I'm going to tell her that next time I see her. She's right. not trustworthy. Tell her that Matt Panasiak trusts her. 100 percent this is this is great this is a this is a half hour of show that's going to get us sued by the city of mississauga and jessica kent's representatives <laughs> uh all right what were, what were we talking about uh inside sports it's 713 780-496-0063 you know so text uh 630 630 the blue jays still going at it with uh, Baltimore 6-4 still for Toronto. They're now into the top of the seventh. A lot of offense early. It's uh, quieted down over the last few innings. The, uh, I want to get to... Uh, oh, we have Doug on the line first. All right, we'll bring in, we'll bring in Doug. I'm glad, he, uh, I'm glad he called in. Doug, welcome to the show. What's going on? That's about treat. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. What's on your mind? Yeah, I heard you a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier. I, mean, talk, I totally agree with you. I mean, the defense right now is... I don't even know what the word is. Disaster. I mean, it's it's. I knew this team would take a bit of a step back defensively, but I, I've been quite shocked at how far they've dropped. And I think you brought up a really good point. I mean, last night, at one point, rushing three, dropping nine. The challenge that I'm seeing right now is that they're leaving their linebackers in essentially no man's land. They're not, like you said, they're not pressuring. They're not blitzing with their linebackers a whole lot. But they're not dropping them deep enough to affect what those those intermediate routes that I know you and I have talked about being so important before. So the linebackers that I've seen so many times are really essentially ineffective in everything that's going on defensively. They're not involved in the play. And I think that's something that was a little bit different with what Chris Jones would do. He loved dropping linebackers off and he loved drop, dropping linebackers off deep. So it's like it keeps everything in front and then pursuit of the ball. And so then you get to the other issue with this defense is the fact that they can't tackle right now. And so even when they do get to a ball carrier, they can't bring them down. So there's just lots of little things fundamentally and scheme-wise that I think are a problem here, and and it's a huge issue. And as you said, it's just not one that's going to get fixed overnight. No, I don't think so. Uh, but you're right about the dry. I mean, there is just so much cushion yeah. and so many incorrect angles. Now, I think some of that, though, is on the player. I mean, as a player, you have to figure out, okay, this receiver keeps doing this. Maybe I should stand there. So he has to adjust. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I've, you know, earlier in the year, and he's hurt right now. But when I mean, Dion Ballou at times was the deepest. I mean, at, at the snap, he was the deepest guy on the field. I mean, deeper than than Neil King is, and that's usually not where you want your where you want your corner lining up at seventeen yard depth off the receiver. So, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a personnel thing. I think it's a scheme thing. And and the challenge I think right now, and we saw it in the first drive of the game last night, is. Is there's there is zero confidence this defense can make a stop at any point in the game, and I mean I, this will sound a little bit uh, like an exaggeration, but in many ways the game was over after the first drive last night, because I think the offense suddenly realized well we're right back in the same position we were a week ago where Hamilton just marched through us all all evening long, and the offense kept having to go to find a way to to struggle through things, and I think then the pressure ends up mounting for them and, and they clearly haven't been able to handle that either when they've needed to so it's it's just been a weird combination so far this year of not being able to be on the same page and and yeah i'm i'm really really shocked at how poor this defense has been i don't know if the game was over for me after the first drive but certainly at 11 nothing i was i was really concerned because then i thought even if the offense wakes up 
um, all they're going to do is keep trading scores, yeah. right? Because there was, it didn't look like Winnipeg was. I mean, Winnipeg wound up did punt, punting four or five times, but it just it just and I thought actually Winnipeg called some as as good a game as Harris had. I was surprised they ran the ball as much as they did, and they caught a couple draws on second and long. And I was like, why? I mean, if I if I were a Bomber fan, I'd be like, pass ninety five percent of the time. That's what Hamilton did. Well, that's right. And when you're looking at a team that clearly can't stop the pass, why wouldn't you keep going? And you're right. And I don't mean to exaggerate on the. It just seemed mentally that you know that opening drive just really sapped everything out of the stadium. And and you know Riley's first pass is in the dirt to Bowman and. You know, it just, I don't know when, I think you tweeted out yesterday just how many consecutive drives teams had scored on the Eskimos. <laughs> and the offense is aware of that. I know they say they don't want, I mean, they're not going to go at the defense and and uh, get in their face either, but you can just sense that there's that they just don't have a whole lot of faith either. Their defense is going to be able to make a stop for them. And and until that happens, and it, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, and you're not going to bring in, in the, the cavalry probably isn't coming uh, at all. In at earliest, it would be later in September. So, uh, it's uh, you know they they blew a golden opportunity four or five games at home against relatively soft opponents other than Ottawa, uh, and I say Hamilton mainly because Caleros is hurt, and here they are two and three, and suddenly now you're looking at a situation where you play eight of your last thirteen on the road, and your schedule gets tougher because you still haven't played BC, you haven't played Calgary yet, uh, you haven't played a good Toronto team, so. It's uh, and then they're in Ottawa next week, so it's uh, they've dug themselves a hole, and I think somewhat unnecessarily. Yeah, I think I mean big picture, it, it looks like now um, a home play. I mean, I hate to say this after five weeks, it looks like a home playoff game might be tough because, of, like you said, because they still got to play some pretty good teams. And Blake Dermott made the point in the last half hour: the Eskimos have been lit up by backup quarterbacks and no disrespect to Matt Nichols he's not one of but he's not one of the nine best quarterbacks in the league nor is Jeremiah Masoli who set a record with 23 state completions so that gives you a a, a, level, a good idea of the level the Eskimos defense is at overall it is a second tier defense because they're getting butchered by second tier quarterbacks maybe it's a third tier defense yeah, no, uh, yeah, you're you're completely right, and, and that's the thing is they. I mean, you saw what happened, you know, with Burris and and when Harris came in. I mean, it was uh, it was like pitch and catch in Horlock Park. I mean, it just wasn't it just wasn't tough. And I think this, the same thing we're seeing with quarterbacks who I agree aren't anywhere near in that caliber, um, and they're likely going to have to face Burris next week. And again, you, you still haven't faced you haven't faced Mitchell. You haven't faced you know the likes of Ricky Ray and guys that. I think we'll just expose the secondary uh, even worse, perhaps, than what we've seen already with Mazzoli and, and Nichols. Yeah. Doug, thanks for listening to the show. Call any time, okay, buddy? Sounds good. Thanks, Reed. That is Doug, 780-496-0063. I know there are a lot of concerned Eskimos fans out there. Well, you got a bit of a wait until the next game. It's next Saturday in Ottawa. Saskatchewan's on the board, but Montreal... Uh, has the ball 22-3, the Alouettes leading the Riders halfway through the third quarter. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Quick timeout. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. 
Uh, got a text from my uh, aunt from uh, Mississauga. She says, you have to come to Mississauga so that you can report back to the Edmonton people that Mississauga is not boring. There are lots of great restaurants, parks, and we have a rib fest. Now, see, Matthew, that's exactly what I would expect someone brainwashed by the Mississauga Illuminati to say. <laughs> ah, it's funny. Maybe we could do the show for Mississauga some week. I don't know why we would do it there. Maybe they'll get an NHL team. Who knows? Well, there should be another team down there. Oh, exactly, right. In that, uh, what do they call the uh, the Golden Horseshoe? The uh, Greater Toronto Area? Weren't they they were going to build a rink out there? Uh, where was Basili going to build it? Near Kitchener-Waterloo or something? Yes. Never happened. He was trying to get the Nashville Predators. Remember that? No, so didn't he try for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Oh, too? yeah, I think he might have done that, too. Yeah. Tried for both, and then... The commissioner didn't like that very Did he, much. Well, cause didn't he start selling tickets at one point or season, or season seat licenses? Yes. Yeah, that uh, Bettman didn't like that. That didn't go over too well. Hey, uh, speaking of Oilers now, uh, Bill Peters, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, was on with Bob earlier today. And, I, Matthew, I want to play this clip here because there's a lot of talk about the hockey analytics. You know, these are some of the advanced stats that the teams are now using to try to uh, – interpret what's going on in the ice. And I and I think this is the best clip I've ever heard about analytics. Here is Bill Peters from Carolina. Well, analytics are here to stay, so you better embrace them. You better be in the, you know, the modern game and be current. I think it's more of a management tool than it is a coaching tool. I like it. And what it does for our organization is Eric will do studies and he'll do all these projects. And what they do is they provoke thought. So he comes in and presents to us as coaches and it provokes conversation and meaningful thought. And it might open up some ideas or some solutions. And I have no problem dialing up his extension saying, hey, I need you to come down and for 20 minutes and explain something to us and show us what you're, you're doing here. And then after that 20 minutes, so he wants to stay and I kick him out. I say, you got we're done. We're in the trenches here. We got to practice in an hour. I said, "You got 20 minutes, and away you go." But you know what? They're valuable. They're valuable, valuable people. And where I think it really comes in is, you know, contracts and negotiations and evaluating players throughout the league. And we have our own. Uh, we have our own analytic tools, and those are your eyeballs. So don't be afraid to use those either. That is Bill Peters, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. I really liked how he said. Uh, analytics are here to stay. It's part of the modern game. And I liked how he said it is more a management tool than a coach's tool. Because the coaches are dealing with real, live human beings that they have to relate to on a day-to-day basis, that they have to motivate, they have to teach, they have to try to find ways to get the best out of. The managers, I think, can afford to look at these numbers a little more in detail and say, well, this player does this, or here's something that happens on the ice with this player that maybe we didn't realize was happening, but it, it's happened over a long period of time. And, and I think I think that's really important to remember. For some reason, and I don't totally get it, there are adamant people on... Matthew, We're gonna. I'm, I'm going to keep going here, so you're going to have to move some commercials. Sorry, buddy. For some reason, it has become an argument with with two sides to it, Um, which to me seems kind of silly. I've touched on a little of this before. Uh, There are a lot of people, and it's not only bloggers, but there are a lot of bloggers who are into analytics and use it and believe in it. And there are a lot of the uh, mainstream media people, of which I am one, and I hate these labels and these divisions, but who uh, aren't as uh, willing maybe to, to look at analytics and accept it but here's the problem I have with what's going on here. It is a, analytics is not a 
philosophy. It, it, is, it is not a stance. It's a tool. I mean, saying whether you're for or against analytics uh, would be like people in the construction industry arguing whether or not they're for or against a hammer. A hammer has use in certain situations. It should be applied in certain situations. In other situations, it should not. That's what, that's what it comes down to. Analytics in hockey is not a philosophy. It is, it is a tool. It's not something you believe in or you don't believe in. It's something that exists and is relevant and should be applied in certain situations. And as Bill Peters said, more for managers than for coaches. I, I think one of the reasons is, is that it, it, the analytics is, it, it has been criticized and some people have, have just dismissed it in that the people, especially on social media, supporting analytics have, quite frankly, um, been uh, been outspoken, argumentative, and belligerent, and that's and that's turned people off. When really, it is something that, if as a hockey fan, you want to, you, you should pay attention to, and maybe you you learn some things about the game. But it's not it's not a philosophy where you could say where you should say I don't believe in analytics. You know, they're not ghosts, they're not vampires, where you believe in them or not. You. Accept that they're there and know when they're relevant to be applied. Anyway, it is 729. It is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. We'll chat with her old buddy Jamie Thomas when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, it's a tough night for Saskatchewan, trailing 24-3 with four minutes left in the third in Montreal. They just had a, a second and two play from deep in their own end. Didn't get much. I don't know if they're close enough to go for the sneak here or if Chris Jones is going to decide to punt. The Blue Jays trying to hang on against the Orioles. 6-5 now for the Blue Jays in the uh, top of the eighth. Uh, Manny Machado with a homer in the uh, eighth inning, his 22nd of the season to uh, pull the Orioles within one. We'll keep an eye on that one tonight. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Of course, a, a busy weekend. I, I know uh, Ryan Batty from copperandblue.com putting out on Twitter that he's going to go see Star Trek Beyond this weekend. I don't know if Jamie Thomas has seen that or not yet. Uh, how's it going, Jamie? <laughs> Ironically enough, I have seen that movie. And? It's actually pretty entertaining. I'm actually, you know what? Um, the first two Star Trek movies way back when we were kids um, were, were pretty good. Like Rathacon was amazing. Yeah. But the re, the reboot that that they have done is, has been excellent. It's Chris Pine has taken over as Captain Kirk. So I've been I, I've been a, a big fan. And and this third one was, uh, I mean, of the of the three reboot movies, I rank it number three. But it was still pretty entertaining. All right. Well, I'm not a fan of uh, Into Darkness. I thought it got a little silly. I thought they just butchered the the Khan character. I thought yeah, the Khan character I, was I, a little crazy. I yeah. thought that movie only works if you know what happened in Wrath of Khan. But even then, mm-hmm. it doesn't really help uh, help that much. But I, I will probably see this one. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater. I've seen a lot of movies in the theater. Like, are you? Because uh, I, I didn't. I saw Captain America: Civil War. I heard so many Amazing. mixed reviews about X Men: Apocalypse. I haven't wound up going. Don't have much time with X-Men Apocalypse. It's terrible. Batman versus Superman, I didn't bother. I'll probably rent it from the library for free. It's it's good. 
Uh, watch the free extended version. It's much better. Okay, and uh, Suicide yeah. Squad. I, I Here's the thing. I never read DC. I didn't know there was a Suicide Squad comic until yeah. the the movie was coming out, so uh, we'll see. I guess if it gets good reviews, I'll go. Yeah, Jared Leto looks pretty amazing for Joker and stuff, and uh, and Ben Affleck makes a quick appearance in that one as, as Batman, clearly. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because I'm always, I'm always curious to see how how you follow up Heath Ledger's Joker, right? So it's just you go Jack Nicholson, you look at how crazy that was, and there's no way it could be possible, and Heath Ledger just nailed it. We don't really have to go into that, but um, I'm curious to see, because Jared Leto is a, a different version of how Joker looks, but I think he, he looks crazy enough to to pull it off. Uh, ben Affleck in that movie actually playing his character from Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Not Batman. I thought, that's, that's a, I, thought, I thought he did pretty well. So little, little, little known fact. No, I'm joking. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dead Rat Man, one of my favorite Twitter followers. He uh, is a very loyal listener. I believe he listens with his grandmother uh, Mm -hmm. as he puts her to bed. Uh, He usually actually doesn't tweet me about sports, even though he's uh, listening to a sports show. But Dead Rat Man has Mm -hmm. tweeted me. He says, I'm not a Mike Riley fan. A good quarterback should be helping out his defense by doing something. That's in all capital letters. As a yep. veteran quarterback, he should be tearing apart other teams' defense. I, I said earlier, uh, I didn't think Riley was as sharp as usual last night, but I, I wouldn't categorize him as a primary problem uh, for the Edmonton Eskimos. And quite frankly, he's thrown for 300 yards in eight straight games. So mm-hmm. a dead rat man, I guess my counter would be, he kind of has been tearing apart other teams' defenses. He has. and But... The, uh, the big chunk of that uh, damage that he did against Hamilton last week was all in the first half. Sure. And they just went to their odd. And then yesterday, just, just seemed to be grasping at straws to, to be able to get something done. But um, it, it, there's only so much you can do as a quarterback when your defense just isn't – they're not doing anything. Right. They're, I mean, they looked, they looked good in stretches in that game against Hamilton, but that was against Jeremiah Masoli, who was – playing like he had against in, in previous games against the BC Lions and uh, for a half against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But, I mean, just what he did, what Hamilton did offensively in that second half kind of seems to be like a copycat because it's just all that short stuff, that underneath stuff, finding holes uh, and little openings in short for short passes. And it just picked them apart. And I just – now, clearly, Hamilton did not run the ball down their throats like um, Andrew Harris and the Bombers did last night. It just whatever Winnipeg seemed to want to do, they did. So um, I think a lot of pressure goes on Mike Riley's shoulder to have to go out there and put points up. And after a while, that gets old real quick, right? So it's just you can't you can't lean on your offense like that all the time. Okay, we've given up seven more points. We need you to go out and score ten. So that to me is is a recipe for disaster. And the previous week, you know, I was more than happy to say. Your, off, your defensive coordinator, Mike Benavides, puts your players out there, you have your recipe for success, and you have to go out there and execute, which clearly the defense did not do in the second half against Hamilton. Now, yesterday it just seemed more or less that the system isn't working with the players that they have out there right now. And, man, this, this seems like there's so much work. And, yes, you've lost a lot of players to the National Football League and to an injury and so on and so forth, but it just you can't be that out of sync and just – letting people do whatever they want to do and run the ball down your throat, especially in the Canadian Football League, where running is not the run the run game isn't really prevalent right now. And 
uh, Winnipeg could do whatever they wanted. And I, I have high respect for Matt Nichols because he held the Eskimos in place a year ago when Mike Riley was hurt, but I don't think he is as good as he looked yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah, Jamie Thomas joining us here. Uh, he, you get him on the uh, Hook and Lateral blog. He also uh, hosts the uh, Tiger Cats pregame and postgame show on TS 1150 in Hamilton. By the way, congratulations on getting that gig, by the way. That's awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, it, it looked, I looked, Listen, I was ready for about 20 phone calls uh, after it was, you know, 25-point lead for the Eskimos, after, in the, especially that opening drive of the second half is just looked awful and I thought this what a terrible way to go into the bye week and you know he was just that pushes um Zach Caleros into the starting position that much closer with Jeremiah Masoli playing the way he had in the first half but I, I completely was wrong and I only had three phone calls amazing how few people call when, when you call oh, in. Trust me, I know all about that, buddy. I know all about that. It's just it's just it's such a strange science, right? And I'm I'm not knocking anybody because it is a lot you want answers when things don't go well as opposed to that's how it's supposed to go when the team wins. Right. You're like, yeah, they're supposed to win. So there's not much really more to talk about. Montreal is taking oh, sorry, Jamie. Montreal is taking it to Saskatchewan 31-3 now in the yeah. last minute of the third quarter. And, you know, again, this sort of proves, uh, look, I think Chris Jones is a great coach. He does not have the horses on defense. So no. I don't think anybody, and look, I don't, I don't think Benavides is blameless here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we know Chris Jones' reputation defensively, and Saskatchewan has looked okay on defense at times this year, but they're just getting worked over tonight by a Montreal team that I don't think is that great, though I could eat my words. I certainly ate them no, with Winnipeg running last night. They're awful. They got Carter. Yeah. And then they got, I don't know who. So they, have a half decent, they have a half decent defense with Bear Woods, you know, Kyrie Saber, John Bowman, um, Chip Cox. Like They, they have some... Like a, a very physical defense, but that's where it ends. And I, I love Kevin Glenn to, the, to the, the end of time, and a great guy and fantastic deal with the media. But he's not a number one quarterback in this league, and um, they've they've got substantial injuries in Montreal on the offensive side of the football. So that's it's just such a hard read because I thought you know maybe Saskatchewan turned the corner, but also they were playing against Ottawa's third string quarterback too. So uh, there's a lot you can read into that so it's it's already a bizarre bizarre year in the cfl and it's finally nice to see a home team win a football game but of course saskatchewan is uh won last week against ottawa at home but still that 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 trend is continuing where the home team just can't seem to get it done i wonder and i said before the season watch out for bc because the Mm -hmm. the buono effect the guy just knows how to do it yeah. Uh, he always has depth at important positions. I mean, I was saying earlier in the show that the, the, the two-quarterback system does not work anymore. You don't yeah. have Moon for half a game and Wilkinson for half a game. That doesn't happen anymore, but he yeah. always makes sure he has a very capable backup just in case there are injuries or poor play. And Bono just somehow, and now you look at the way the West is shaking down, especially if BC wins tonight in Calgary, yeah. all of a sudden they got a three-point lead in the division already. Yeah, and it's just, I thought it was, you know, for a time there, I'm like, there's no way it's going to be BC, Calgary, Edmonton. and But it just seems like Edmonton has so much work to do on the defensive side of the football. That's going to be uh, tough to grasp. But, of course, you know, a couple wins against Calgary on Labor Day weekend and the following Friday, it, 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 it just changes things, right? So it just we shouldn't be panicking at this point. But BC could seriously, I thought BC maybe third place finished tops at the beginning part of the year, but now Wally's starting to make me eat my words a little bit because he's really 
just his presence on the sideline. And, and we should give a little more credit to the offensive defensive coordinators, too. They've done a nice job as well. But it's the Wally presence. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to take anything away from that. But it's, and how he's built this team. And um, it's, it, it, if a victory by BC tonight sure makes a big difference. Calgary's starting to get things together here a little bit, and there's some holes in their offensive line. And I'm not saying that's going to change overnight because they still have problems on the offensive line. But, um, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell seems to have things going together, and Jerome Messam uh, filling in nicely as a Canadian running back uh, due to the retirement of John Cornish, too, as well. So, I mean, that's such a massive hole to fill without John Cornish, but they seem to be doing that just fine. And um, it looks like BC feels like they're in control of what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. That one starts, uh, well, in a, uh, just after the top of the hour, uh, Saskatchewan obviously uh, taking it pretty hard against Montreal this evening. Jamie, great to have you back on the show. Great to have you involved in the uh, Tiger Cats broadcast and really appreciate you being so generous with your time on a Friday night. I know I know you got out of a, uh, a, a big group reading at the library this evening to make time on Inside Sports. <laughs> I just got yeah. I'm so busy. I go talk about kid, and then I was just watching um, <laughs> watching Milos Raonic and flipping back between the the Saskatchewan Montreal game, which is, as you know, a, a little dull. A how's, little dull. How's Raonic doing, by the way? Uh, he was tied three three with Gamma He's in the first set. They're, they're going back and forth on, okay. their, on their service games. To be expected, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got the yeah. uh, football on. I'll, I'll I'll leave it on that. Hey, thanks for your time, buddy. You have a good. I don't know if you have a long weekend in Ontario or not, but have a good weekend. I think I think we do. I'm trying to figure out. It's it, dude. We have kids every weekend, long weekend. So, <laughs> all right. Take care, buddy. <laughs> See you, pal. As Jamie Thomas checking in inside sports on six thirty, Chad. Yeah, it's thirty-one-three for Montreal, leading Saskatchewan. And uh, you have the Jays on there, buddy. Yeah, the Jays are still hanging on six to five, two out in the bottom of the eighth. All right. So now they are. So three outs away. So uh, wonder who they'll bring in out of the bullpen. Gotta be Osuna, Grilly, be? Yeah, Grilly pitched the last inning, right? Yes. So he gave up the home run. All right. So the Jays will try to finish that off. If they do win, they move within half a game of Baltimore for first in the American League East. Inside Sports on 630 Chet, presented by Action Furnace, the home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Still ahead, we will go out to the Glendale and talk to McKenzie Tour golfer Devin Carey as Inside Sports rolls along. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. It's a little uh, Queens of the Stone Age there, hey buddy? Love these guys. What's that one called? In Your Head? In My Head? In My Head, In My Head. Uh, Is that off? Lullabies to Paralyze? Is that the album? Let's just... I think that was the follow-up to Songs for the Deaf. Try to remember. Any uh, Queens of the Stone Age fans out there, you can text 630-630. I think it was Lullabies to Paralyze, that album. It doesn't say on this YouTube channel. Well, you're not playing them off tape? <laughs> tape player's broken tonight. The, ta- the tape player's broken. The real to real. Right. Stopped working last week. Brian Hall wrecked that thing when he was trying to take some tape off of it. So blame Brian for that one. Well, we blame Brian for a lot. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the phone number. You can text six thirty six thirty. 
So uh, good to have Jamie Thomas on the show. Did you have you seen this new Star Trek movie? Which one? The one that just came out in December or what? It's just, I, I, it, December. It came out two days ago. I don't know. There's a new Star, Star Trek. Trek. Oh, that's <laughs> Star Wars. I can't believe you just got the mixed Ooh. up in front of me. Hang your head in shame. That's it. I'm out. Hang tonight. your head in shame, Matthew Panashik. It's been a long week. Oh my God. Well, you do work hard. I'll uh, I'll give you that. No, Star I Trek Beyond. I have not seen it yet. That's I kind of a generic it. movie title, isn't it? Star Trek Beyond. Well, beyond what? It's like calling it, you know, uh, Star Trek Outside. Outside what? Star Trek Inside. Yeah. Could, Inside could, the ship. Beyond what? What are they beyond? I don't know. Anyway, it's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, Devin Carey from the McKenzie Tour. He's playing in the Oil Country Championship. You can still go get tickets this weekend if you want to. Check out the Oil Country Championship uh, website. Dave Campbell is going to drop by as well, the producer of this show and the analyst for uh, the Eskimos here on 630 Chet. I believe the Eskimos might be taking the whole weekend. I, they, maybe they're going to be back at it on Monday. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll ask We'll uh, ask Dave about that. Um Martin Marinchin, former Edmonton Oiler, avoids arbitration with the Maple Leafs. Two-year deal worth $2.5 million. The Oilers drafted him 46th overall back in 2010, traded him to the Leafs last summer. Uh, 65 games played. He had seven points. The advanced stats guy, speaking of analytics, uh, like him. Uh, generally has a positive uh, Corsi, which means he's... Uh, on the ice for more shots for than shots against, at least when it comes to attempts. So uh, he resigns with uh, the Leafs. So the Avalanche and Tyson Berry uh, actually had the arbitration hearing. I think that's the only hearing that's actually happened so far. Usually they get solved. So that's an interesting situation there. I don't see Tyson Berry becoming an Oiler this summer. But it, it seems to be that uh, that relationship between the Avalanche and Tyson Berry, uh, not a good one. Not a good one. So we'll see if he fits into their long-term plans. Uh, the Oilers, uh, what, they're going to open the season? How many? How far away from the season are we now? Holy Two smokes. and a half months? Let's see. It's it's uh, What day is it today? It's uh, July so two 29th. And a half months. The, the regular yeah. season starts in October. Yes. Home and home against the Calgary Flames. Uh, Rogers Place, I mean, we're only six weeks away, though, from the public viewing of Rogers Place, September 10th, right? They're going to let fans in there. And uh, you're right, Jessica Kent, who is uh, a wonderful human being, despite what we were joking about uh, earlier, as uh, the Blue Jays win 6-5 over Baltimore. There you have it, three in the first, and they uh, hang on from there. So they're now just half a game behind Baltimore for first in the American League East. Uh, I was watching one of Jessica Kent's video today, taking you through different parts of uh, Rogers Place, uh, what it's going to look like for the Oilers to walk out, some of the uh, bar areas, uh, some stuff on the scoreboard. So it, it's pretty cool. The arena's opening up. It's pretty cool. Uh, looks nice downtown there, 104th Street, which is was great anyway. I mean, now the rink kind of right at the end of it. you got Ford Hall, right? That's what they're calling the Winter Garden. That's going to lead into the rink. Still, still going to be a lot of construction for the next probably two or three years uh, in that area, but the rink is going to be done. It's actually going to be there. A brand new state-of-the-art arena. Who would have thought it here in Edmonton, right? Well, I mean, why wouldn't we get it? You know what the best part about this arena is? What? They beat Calgary. We beat Calgary doing it. We beat them. Finally, it's something. We beat Calgary. Well, now, why, why do you take it that way? 
Because I like to stick it to Calgary. Well, how does this stick it to Calgary? These are 10 years away from their arena in Calgary, probably. Well, right, and their arena is 10 years younger than ours. So we still get it first before they do. Well, I, that's, I, I don't understand your perspective. I'm just saying, we finally beat Calgary in doing something. But it's, in, not a, in it's, not a, it's not about... We finally beat them in something. Beat them in the West Final last year. I know. I'm talking about like just the city, city-wise. We beat them finally. I'm just, just saying, like uh, buildings and stuff. They like that. weren't we're, even talking we're about building them. a new. It was not like they they started talking about building arena at the same time as us, and somehow we outmaneuvered them to get the arena. I know, I'm just saying that we beat Calgary to a new arena. That's all. They have a dump that they play in now. We don't. Okay. Uh, I, well, I, I apologize. I don't, I don't see it that way. Okay, we agree I hope to Calgary, disagree. I hope Calgary gets it, builds a new arena. Well, I hope so, too. Just so we I hope beat they, them. You so. know, whatever. They get a football stadium. I mean, speaking of dumps, McMahon's a dump. Oh, yes. It's not And it's been good. a dump for a long time. <laughs> yes, it has. I mean, at least Commonwealth gets, gets upgrades and was pretty nice to begin with. Beautiful stadium, Commonwealth, still. Beautiful to watch a football game in. Yeah, it is great. It is great. I, I like the I like the uh, upgrades that they've done to it. This well, you know the, the the LED lighting and the wall of honor names. I like that they're down by the field, so you can see them easier. Even in the concourse, where they put stuff, they put banners around the them banners too, right? of the so, guys. Yeah, yeah. For and sure. they brought back the brick, uh, the the knot hole gang and the, stuff yeah, like that. The knot hole so, stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, you it's know, it's, it's nice that they keep putting stuff back into the team and back into the stadium. And the Bacardi party deck. Have you been on the party deck? No, but I've seen it. looks like it's pretty cool to be down there. Well, you should try to get in there. I will, for sure. <laughs> Let's try to sneak in someday. It's like, hey, guys, move over. I'm here. It's Matt Panasiak from Inside Sports, the studio producer. The Oilers have signed defenseman David Musil to a one-year contract. He was this restricted free agent defenseman taken in the second round back in uh, 2011. He's only played four games for the Edmonton Oilers. 6'4", just over 200 pounds, a uh, little... Lower down on the depth chart, I would think. Pro- probably specifically than Jordan Osterley, but I guess he'll get a shot in uh, training camp. The Oilers' defense uh, still not deep enough, I don't think, to be a really good team. I do think Adam Larson is going to help. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I feel like, Matthew, sometimes... Um, You know, I feel, I feel like because I've dealt with so many people angry about the Taylor Hall trade. Don't don't start the music yet. Well, can we we can't move this one, can we? Uh, okay, I'll be quick. I felt I felt like you know that I I've come across like I've been all on board with the Taylor Hall trade because I've dealt with so many angry people that I've tried to explain Shirelli's logic. Whereas whereas really I'm just trying to help those people deal with it. I agree. It's a risky trade, and here's what I'm afraid of, that the Oilers are going to lose a lot of games 2-1. You know, we'll be sitting there saying, well, we're only allowing two goals, so Larson's helping, but there's no offense when McDavid's not on the ice. I totally get that. I totally get that. But they're just putting a priority right now on preventing goals. Okay, there. I didn't take that long. Uh, Devin Carey from the golf course, from the Glendale, when we get back, we'll tell you what's going on at the Oil Country Championship on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.